I tell you, it's good to be back in person with y'all. Our family was blessed to have a very, very mild case of COVID-19. Carolyn described it almost like 25% of the regular flu that we've had before. I even managed to get some brownie points in my house. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook or not. On Facebook, I managed to put a post on there, so I can't taste my food, but the fact that I'm married to you, Carolyn, still proves I got good taste. <laughs> you got to use everything, right? Take every opportunity to get those brownie points. We did have the awkward conversation with the, the neighbor one day. We were out front, uh, and she was out front, and wanted to let her know to stay back. And I wish I had said something cool like, hey... Uh, we got a case of Corona over here, and it's not even Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> it didn't come out like that, though. She starts walking over, talking like, stay back, stay back. We, <laughs> we, we got COVID symptoms. Just stay back a little bit. So it wasn't as cool, but we kept her away. We're all doing better, and we're thankful that it was mild. I know it's not always that way. And, and I know as we look around our world, there are people this morning that are wrestling with discouragement darkness, uh, looking for the hope that we have in Jesus. And I think about hope a lot this time of year. Uh, we drive around looking at the Christmas lights. I think that's a lot of what those lights represent. It's a lot of why they went up so early on so many homes this year. It's a symbol of, of hope. And that's what Jesus came to bring. Think about how many Christmas carols talk about that longing we have. Like, O come, O come, Emmanuel. I don't know if you've noticed with a lot of these Christmas carols, often the second verse is actually the best, in my opinion. O come, O come, Emmanuel. The second verse says, O come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. Oh, Israel, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. I think about those shepherds, uh, the last people many would send angels to in Jesus' day. But think about what they heard that, that day. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I want to talk about that good news today as I think about Jesus, as we look at a moment in His life in Mark chapter 1, one of the things I am thankful for is how locked in Jesus was on his mission to bring us hope and joy in life. It wasn't for lack of distractions. There were many distractions from the enemy, Satan himself, from, from people. But Jesus stayed locked on, just like an F-16 pilot who's got his target. He was locked on his mission to bring us life and hope and joy in the midst of all the distractions. So I want to talk about the, the focus of Jesus this morning in Mark chapter 1. Specifically, I want to talk about the focused reach of Jesus. I want to talk about His reach 
up, his reach out, and his reach down, and talk about how that can bring hope for us today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. We're going to start by talking about Jesus reaches up. Verse 35 says, Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, some speculate maybe about 4 a.m. Any early birds in here? (laughs) They ain't admitting to it. Very, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, went out to a desolate place, could translate it wilderness place, away from people, and there he prayed. He was in Capernaum, which was cultivated at this time. It was a fishing town, so he's not going way out in the boonies, but he's getting away from people. And it says there he prayed early in the morning. You remember what happened the day before from last week? It wasn't just a whole home laid back day. It was a day full of activity and happenings. You remember he went to the synagogue and he taught and the people are like, Whoa, this dude teaches like nobody else we've ever heard before. And then he cast a demon out of a man and goes back to Peter's house for lunch. And Peter's mother-in-law has a fever. Jesus grabs her by the hand. She gets up and starts serving them. And word starts going around all around Galilee. And after Sabbath, when the people were allowed to travel far enough, what happened? They came in droves to Peter's front door. And Jesus sat there and healed and healed. Sunset healing service. One man said, was now followed by a sunrise prayer meeting with his father. Jesus escaped the crowds. He chose communion with his father over the the celebration of the crowds. Jesus was fully God, fully man, as Bill brought out a few weeks ago. Fellowship with his father was important to him. Was, Was he looking to his father for continued guidance As he walked the road ahead, was he looking for continued strength? He he reached up. And one of the things I love about this is Isaiah predicted this about Jesus, this servant of the Lord, that he would get up early and spend time with his father. Did you know that? Isaiah 50 is all about the servant of the Lord. And you get to verse 4. This is about Jesus talking to the father. Morning by morning, he awakens my ear. To hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame. Where'd that resolve come from? At least partially from this time in the morning, reaching up to his father. Now think about that. That's the difference between running on empty in the spiritual life and being refilled. Do you have that time where you reach up, find that fellowship, strength, and guidance so you can set your face like a flint? Just like our Savior. I'm thankful He did. It kept Him on task as we're going to see. Verse 36, we're going to see Him reaching out to the world. Verse 36, Simon, Peter, and those who were with Him searched for Him. 
Any hunters in here? I, I know one right there. That's the word here. This was not just some casual, where's Jesus at, I wonder. They got up, saw he was missing, and the word here is hunted for him, tracked him down. They had an, an agenda for finding Jesus. And many suggest that the disciples were not too happy that Jesus was not back in Capernaum. We'll, we'll see why in a second. Verse 37, they found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you. Well, what's going on? He had had this sunset healing service, and of course, word continues to travel, and the people want more of this miracle worker, right? And may believe his disciples, Simon and the other guys, are saying, Jesus, what are you doing? You, you finally, got, this is your big moment, baby. This is the time to pump it big. This is a time to stay down there and fan this flame. They love you, baby. <laughs> What are you doing out here praying? What are you doing out here alone? Praying with your father. Many believe they were a little annoyed at his timing in this. But what's he say to them? He says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. He didn't go back to Capernaum. We talked about part of what happened there last week, right? Many of them stopped at wonder and failed to go on to worship. They, they wanted this magician, miracle worker, but not Lord and Savior. That's why later on Jesus said of Capernaum that many of them had not repented and would pay for it. But they had their chance. Jesus preached the kingdom there. I am the Lord, the Savior. I am the King. They had their chance. Now it's time to spread that to other places. What did he do? Jesus chose his calling over the comfort of Capernaum. He chose his calling over the comfort of Capernaum. And we can be thankful that he did. He came to spread the good news. Okay? Now think about that in our lives. We face the same battle on a day-in, day-out basis. The, the, the decision between our calling from God, and our comfort. And comfort often puts up a good front. Man, it sure looks good, especially when the devil gets involved and, and shows us all that's good about it. But you know what? What I've discovered? I've discovered that when we give in to comfort, often what we get in exchange is a growing sense of restlessness inside. You ever been there? When life becomes all about my comfort, it's great for a while, but then you get this gnawing restlessness, especially if you have any ear listening to God, right? What did Jesus choose? He chose his call. And you know what happens when we choose the call of God on our lives, whatever it means? It brings a rewarding sense to our lives. Yeah, it's going to cost us. Yeah, it's going to take effort and time and sometimes money and more, but it brings a rewarding sense sense that I'm doing what God put me here to do. Go into all the world and make disciples. Tell the world about Jesus. Have we settled for comfort or are we still moving outward into the call? If you're restless today, I want you to re listen to this quote by David McKenna. It's pretty strong, but it's kind of a warning when Christians settle for comfort. He doesn't pull any punches. He says, Christians who have stopped going and growing 
are the most miserable of creatures. They clog up churches with undue caution and infect the body of Christ with their own frustration. They are inventors of paralysis by analysis and the creators of strangulation by regulation. Thank God Jesus chooses risk over security to fulfill the purpose for which he came. He, he goes on. Strong words. But I, I, I take it as a loving warning from a brother in Christ. Don't settle for comfort. God's got more as we embrace his call. And many have noticed in the book of Mark, this is kind of a theme. Three times in this book, Jesus faces a tempting situation, a, a situation to take a shortcut to glory. And you know what he does each time? He gets away and prays. We got this time right here. Okay, chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. You remember what some of the Gospels tell us happened after that? They wanted to make him king. Another time where he got away and, and prayed to his father. Then, of course, the, the climax in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Staring down the cross, the temptation about the cup. And what does he do? He takes it again in prayer to his father. Every time he's tempted to take a shortcut, Away from his call, he takes it to his father in prayer. He finds the strength. And one of the things you do when you're in lockdown is you stream movies like nobody's business. And Carolyn hooked me up with Rocky 1 through 6 for my birthday. So we've been taking the boys through those, got through four so far. We got five and six to do. But one of my favorite lines in Eye of the Tiger. The song says, so many times it happens too fast. You trade your passion for glory. Don't lose your grip on the dreams of the past. You must fight just to keep them alive. But especially that line, you trade your passion for glory. And something Jesus knew about his call was his glory came on the other side of his passion at the cross. And he would go straight through the cross to his glory. Despite the distractions, despite the temptations. He reached out to his father and he carried on with this call as he reached out to the world. Thank God he did. Thank God he did not settle for comfort in Capernaum. You or I would not have a chance to be believers today had that been the case. But finally, we see Jesus reaching down. We see him reaching down. Verse 40, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Now I looked at this little, little line from this leper, and I see four things here. Maybe you see them too. One, I see boldness fact that he came to Jesus, many believe he broke the law to get as close to Jesus as he did. That's boldness. He, he's bold. He came to him, imploring him. That's not just casually saying, hey, Jesus, if you got time, by the way, next Tuesday, if we, maybe you could... He is begging Jesus, beseeching him. So, so you see that, that desperation. You've got reverence here. It says... Kneeling, kneeling, 
reverence and humility. And saying to him, if you will, you can make me clean. What is that? That is faith. He has no doubt that, that Jesus could do it. His only question is, Jesus, Jesus, will you? Now you say, why is it such a bold mood for the, the leper? Well, we told you he broke the law to get that close to Jesus, many believe. Why? Well, let's talk about leprosy. And if you want more, you can read your Bible in Leviticus 13 and 14 to see what goes through the Jewish mind when you encounter leprosy. It covered many skin diseases. But Leviticus 13 said, among other things, when people got close to you, you had to yell out, unclean, unclean. You had to have your upper lip covered. You had to live away from people with other lepers outside the camp. Okay, so just from those things, you, you realize we're not just talking about the disease and its ravages. You're talking about isolation from other people, probably family and friends that you're not allowed to be close to. Okay, you're talking about the defiling of the disease. You're talking about the spreading of the disease. Those things are why many have, have come to the conclusion that leprosy is a, a fitting picture of sin. It spreads, it defiles, it isolates. And, and even in the Middle Ages, if you had leprosy, they have it on file that, that priests would read the death rites over the leper while they were still alive in many cases because in their mind they were hopeless. They were the walking dead. That's, that's leprosy. You say, what was it like? How did it manifest on the body? Well, it attacked the skin. And there were different kinds, but as it attacked the face, often you would get these sores on the cheek and nose and up here and the eyebrows would fall out and the sores would grow and they would begin to ooze this foul pus. Sometimes it would attack the vocal cords so that as they shouted out, unclean, unclean, it had this hoarse, unclean, unclean. Sometimes it would attack the extremities, fingers, hands, feet, toes would, would fall off. With the disease. So you can imagine now the, the desperation of this man. And, and in his culture, healing leprosy was as difficult as raising the dead. It, it was no simple task for just any charlatan out there. Okay, in fact, in the Old Testament, there were only two examples of people being healed by God of leprosy. One was Miriam after she was struck for being jealous of Moses, and one was Naaman. After he dipped in the river. This man was desperate and maybe now you understand why. Could he go to the synagogue? Some believe in some he could. But only ones that had squints in the wall. They would have a, a slit in the wall at the back where the, the lepers could look in and listen. And hear what was going on. Some had curtains where a segment of the synagogue was set aside only for the lepers. That was the life of the leper. And here he lays at Jesus' feet. What would Jesus do? Verse 41, to move with pity. That's a complicated word. I, I believe along with many, he's talking about compassion. Compassion. It, it, it means in the Greek, guts. It's talking about Jesus connecting with this guy on an emotional level. The pain this man is feeling. Moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him. Jesus did not have to do that. 
Jesus could have spoken a word, but he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. I see so much in that touch of Jesus that he didn't have to do. Do you see the compassion of God? It would have been scandalous if any religious leaders saw what happened in that moment. Jesus chose courageous compassion over his own cleanliness and touched this man. Many believe, and I'm sure rightly so, this was the first human touch this man had felt in a long time long time and it came through Jesus Christ the son of God I think of the words of another Christmas carol hark to herald angels sing part of it says pleased as man with men to dwell Jesus our Emmanuel and I think about what Jesus did he chose reflecting the heart of God in that moment over respectability in the eyes of many people. You see in the chapters to come, he has controversy after controversy after controversy with the religious leaders. Many believe this is a link, a starter to some of that controversy, but Jesus still chose to reflect the heart of God over respectability before those folks. There are times where that choice may lie before us as believers as well. Choose reflecting the heart of God over respectability before people. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, chances are in our world today, an act of compassion like this would be well received by many. So when is my respectability on the line? I think often today it's when it comes to lovingly speaking the truth of God. You have to choose, will I reflect the heart of God by lovingly speaking the truth in this situation or will I hold it back for the respectability of those around me in this moment? So we're called to be light bearers, truth bearers, gospel bringers. But I also think, what about family feuds? Tis the season, right? They all boil to a head around Thanksgiving and Christmas, those, those year-old tensions between you and those other folks in the family and what do people do in those situations they take sides this is one side this is one side but but what do you do Christian when you're on this side but God starts laying somebody on that side on your heart and saying hey I want you to go out to lunch with them I want you to show them my love and truth and regardless of how they respond I want them to know I love them and you go do that and then people on this side start talking what are you going to do? Are you going to choose to reflect the heart of God in that individual's life? Or are you going to choose respectability with this group? Maybe it's not that extreme. Maybe it's not family. Maybe it's somebody at the total opposite of the political spectrum from your church or your group, but you work with them. And, and God's saying, hey, I want you to be a light in their life. I want you to spend a little time with so-and-so. Reflect me to them. Show them my love. But you know there's some folks that you know that are going to give you a hard time. You're going to choose to reflect the heart of God 
or respectability with those people. Jesus, he reflected the heart of God and changed this man's life. Verse 43, it gets interesting. As Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is another one of those weird passages where Jesus does something cool and he, and he says, don't tell anybody, right? We talked about this last week a little bit. You may believe there are several possible reasons why Jesus does this at different times. One, he, he wanted to fill up the idea of Messiah with who he really is versus their preconceptions. Right? And here, look what happened to verse 45. He went out and began to talk freely about it. That's what the man did. Many believe that's why it says Jesus sternly charged him, because Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. I'm telling you not to do something, but I know darn well, and you know darn well, you're about to do it. (laughs) He went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. So what's the big deal? so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Jesus' ministry went on, but there were towns he could not enter. Why? Because when this man started spreading the story, once again, it came all back to the miracles. All back to the miracles. The miracles had their place in Jesus' plan as they supported his message and his person. When, they, when it became all about that, it took away from his ability to preach in these towns because this man did not listen. What a picture of God's grace, though. Jesus still healed this man, sinner, just like you and I. <laughs> what, a, what a picture of God's grace. And, and one thing that I want to show you here in the midst of all this that's kind of neat. He says, see that you say nothing to anyone. That's the general population. But go show yourself to the priests. And offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, many believe in this century he would have had to go to his local priest first and then to Jerusalem and tell this priest what happened as a testimony to them. Now, in the book of Acts, one thing I find that's, that's really encouraging is many of the priests came to know the Lord. I, I wonder about this, this priest, if this man obeyed Jesus on this count. It doesn't say. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But could this priest have been one of them? Oh, yeah. I remember some, some wild-eyed guy saying he used to be a leper, but Jesus healed him. And now his apostles are out there preaching. He's alive. And yeah, I, I wonder if he was one that came. But one thing we do know, when it, when it talks about show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing, this ritual purification stating you're cleansed, you can go back and be with people again that don't have leprosy, I'd encourage you to read Leviticus 14 because it is a beautiful picture of Jesus' ministry. You know what this purification entailed? Two birds, among other things. One of the birds would have to be killed. Many believe that's a picture of Jesus and His incarnation and death. One of the birds was set free. Many believe that's a picture of Jesus and His resurrection and ascension. Whatever the case, what Jesus did in this man's life shows His power, His superiority, 
He did what the law could not do. The law could provide for this ritual purification. Jesus healed the man. And the same is true spiritually. If we believe, as I do, that leprosy is a picture of sin, the law can point us to our need for a Savior, but it cannot save us. Jesus, the Jesus of this story, can bring eternal life and hope to the sinner. I think back about Jesus reaching up, reaching out, reaching down. I come back again to Christmas carol. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But here's one of the most real verses in all the Christmas carols you'll ever encounter. In despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It doesn't stop there. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth. Good will to man. As we close this morning, think about the hope in that verse, the hope Jesus came to bring. I I think we could do two things. One, thank him for his focused reach. Right? In each of these areas, thank him that, that he reached up to his father at those times of, of decision and carried on. Thank you for his reach out, that he didn't settle in Capernaum, but his message spread to you and I today. And thank you that he still reaches down to the hurting and the hopeless, the untouchables. And then if you're his follower, say, Jesus, I live by faith in you now. Help me to follow in your footsteps. Help me to to reach up to the Father morning by morning. Boy, we need that. Yesterday I was in Psalm 94. And there were some verses in there that just filled my heart. Psalm, if you you haven't been able to tell the past few weeks, that's been my book this year. Psalm 94, there's there's a verse that says, When I thought my foot had slipped, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. And right after that, he hits with another one. He says, When my cares were many, your consolations cheered my soul. Oh, he offers so much if we'll only reach up. Only reach up. And then to to ask about reaching out, Lord, have have I settled for comfort or... Who is it in my sphere this year, this this Christmas season? Who's in my path of influence that you're calling me to to reach out to? And last, who, who are the hurting and the hopeless that you're calling me to reach down to? Even if it costs me some respectability with those people around me, I want to reflect your heart. Show me, Jesus. Help me to walk in your steps. Lord, I thank you for the hope Jesus brings. I know so many in our world are reaching out for hope and need Jesus. And that's why we're here. I think of a young football player in Maine, 16 years old, who took his life 
was in the news this week, and I pray for his family, Lord. I know he's not alone. And I think of what his dad said about the the isolation and the, the being away from his friends and not having football and the things he was used to. And it just ate away at this young man. I know that battle rages around the world. I pray for anyone in this room battling discouragement this year that this Jesus who who reached up and reached out and reached down will reach them this morning and let them know there's more. There's more in Him. There's hope in Him. There's life in Him. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And I pray that any darkness or discouragement that's gaining a foothold in any hearts would be broken off by the same powerful voice and touch of Jesus Christ this morning. That you bring salvation. That you would bring hope and eternal life. And even as you choose to, Lord, that you would bring healing. Lord, thank you. That we are not without hope. Jesus, you are our Emmanuel. God with us. I pray that even as we take our offering this morning, you would help us to use it to faithfully proclaim that word. The good news of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.